Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in to 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you here on this award-winning radio show. What award did it win? What award didn't it win is, thank the, you. is the better question. Thank you. That was a nice ad lib. What in the world? Is that a fog? Oh, that's the construction. There's a construction. I was like... <laughs> playing drops. I'm like, are you just like... <laughs> Prem is my protest. <laughs> Action Jackson. Banty is all get out here on 101 ESPN. All right, uh, I'm going. I don't know what they said. For the record, I'm on the air from seven to ten on 105.7 HD2 FM with TMA. It's a show that's been going on since 2004. I gather based on this text line, most of you absolutely hate it. But either way, that's what I'm doing. So I don't hear what's talked about on Randy Carricker's presentation with Dan McLaughlin, Michelle Smallman still uh, vacationing. So I don't know what their vibe was. I have no idea. But my emotion watching last night was surprisingly, I'm surprised by, to myself, more upset than I anticipated. Upset's not a good word. It bothered me more. It bothered me more, and I was super disappointed that the Bengals didn't win the game. But I was really disappointed with what was a dreadful call on the holding uh, on Cooper Cup on third and seven. That was a dreadful call. Really no way around it. Uh, the Logan Wilson holding call on third and seven. And then I also was really irritated. And I don't, I don't feel like this is getting that much play. But maybe I'm maybe I'm looking in the wrong places. On the Bengals' play calling, once they got to the Rams' 49-yard line um, with their final drive, so I want to go through that, and I want to get the impressions of the audience here. We have one hour, so we only have so much time, and you are welcome to give your thoughts on anything and everything. 65780 is how you can text in. It's the Air Comfort Service text line here on Balloon Party. Um, and uh, Richard Dyche of The Athletic will join us to give us his perspective on, was that the last time we hear from Al Michaels? I don't think so, but at the end of uh, TMA, Jerry Randolph Jr. said he thought that might be it. 77 years old. We'll talk it over with Richard Dyche of The Athletic, a media critic, and also get his perspective on the game and the stories surrounding it and the way those stories were told. That is coming up at 1035. So my three questions to our audience here, Jackson, and then I will start with you. Cool. Uh, how much the Rams winning bothered you? know, maybe some of you were cheering for the Rams, so that wouldn't apply to you, and maybe you're, you're thrilled. Um, your thoughts on the call against uh, the, the holding call. Uh, Logan Wilson and Cooper Cup, third and seven. And the Bengals play calling once they got to the 49-yard line, especially considering the caliber of kicker they have. And really, at that point, they're, I mean, to be liberal with it, 
10 yards away from field goal range. I think with McPherson, I think you can make a case it's less than that. Yeah, especially so those are my three questions. So what do you got, sir? What do you got? Fire well, away. Let's 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 disagree on something. You be Shannon Sharp. I'll be Skip Bayless. And let's just good. yell at each other <laughs> because I really am surprisingly uh, irritated by this, even though I won content. By the way, my Sony Michelle play sucked, and so I lose on Predictionary. Yeah, and I tailed you on that one. And you know, I didn't bet it, but uh, huh? so I guess it hurt for you a little I bit guess, more. I guess I tailed myself. <laughs> uh, I actually won on Daily Fantasy because I was all over T. Higgins. I yeah, thought that he would be call. the play because yeah. I figured uh, Chase would have Ramsey on him. Yep. That was my logic. Uh, I am I'm very upset. I was upset About a one last to ten, night. where are you? Eight. Eight, especially after last night, I didn't watch the celebrate. I didn't watch Dan take the trophy. I can't watch that. But, you know, I just, it's just, and for the way it, it ended in LA and kind of unceremoniously ended with a turnover on downs, just really like a bad taste in my mouth. On top of, I think what my true feeling is, which is, I guess, looking optimistically, is a sense of relief in a little bit. Cause it's like now I don't have to. I mean, they couldn't have asked for a better, you know, Stan couldn't have asked for a better ending to his move to LA. So now it's like, all right, I can close the chapter. I don't have to root against them as hard as I do. And I can just kind of move on from it. So, it, from a pessimistic standpoint, I just couldn't be more upset that the Rams won and that it happened in the way it did. They didn't play great. The Bengals didn't really play great. But on the glass half full side, I kind of am relieved that I don't even have to think about them anymore. All right, the call on Logan Wilson. Yeah, that was awful. It was awful, but you know, as we talked about in the morning after, the Bengals got a, they got seven points due to a, a play where you know it was a clear. T. Face Higgins, match. Jalen Ramsey, twelve seconds into the second half. That's right. what you're citing, and you are one hundred percent right. If we're yeah. going to talk about one. Got to talk about all. Yeah, but it was it both were both were bad bad calls, and the Wilson one was just like, oh come on, like. You can't play much. I, I just don't like when people play like almost perfect defense and get called for a penalty because it's so hard to defend these wide receivers in the NFL, especially at the caliber of the Rams wide receivers. And then to get that call, I just was weak. And then the play call, uh, the play calling. So it's second and one at the Rams 49. The Bengals have two timeouts left. Yeah. And I don't hate the call for the run. I think it shouldn't have been. Well, the second down play, they went with, I believe, uh, play action. But I don't know who it was to because there was clearly a miscommunication between Burrow and his wide receiver, whoever was supposed to be the one that he was throwing to there. Right. Either that or. Because there was nobody around the ball. Right. It was either that or they told him, if you can't find our first, where our first go is, like where our first option is. Just throw it away. Just fling it because we can't waste time. That's how I took that play. And then the third down call to run it. I'm not against it. I just think it should have been Mixon getting the ball, or even Burrow taking. I guess Burrow was a little limp at that time, but taking. I just don't get Pirine taking the ball. Pirine like, gets the call on third down, and Pirine was the receiver on fourth down. Right. So you're going to. You're not getting the ball into your hands of your best playmakers in the most important time of the game. I didn't really get that, but I, I don't disagree that I don't think the run was the wrong play because they weren't getting much. On the Rams, stout. Not only was Joe Burrow had no time, but they had good coverage too. All right, I'm going to go here, and I don't know. I, I, from a commercial break standpoint, I'm going to go more into AM radio slash podcast mode because I don't know how long I'm going to go. I just know we have Richard Dice at 10:35, and that's what I'm conscious of. <laughs> First off, I was not as uh, I, I did not expect to be as bothered by it as I was, mm-hmm. but it really bothered me. And here's why it really bothered me. This is a story that for us on. TMA, we had been covering thoroughly, really, 
going back to Jeff Fisher's press conference in 2012. That was the day where the very next show, uh, I started off the show and I said, Doug, what's your takeaway from the Jeff Fisher press conference? He said, the Rams are moving. I said, yep, that's it. Because that's when Stan Kroenke spoke and that was the last time he spoke in St. Louis. Um, And so to see the way that this has played out over the last, uh, what are we talking about here? A hundred and some odd months and it culminates with the Rams winning a Super Bowl in the building that Kroenke built to leave St. Louis. And one of the ways he left St. Louis was the AMF letter to crap on the region on his way out the door. That bothered me more than I expected it to. I'm not proud of that, by the way. I would rather tell you in the audience that I'm above it, and it didn't, but it did. It did. It didn't really bother me when they beat the Cardinals or beat the Buccaneers or the 49ers, but now the happy ending is official and it was all worth it and as i was watching john anderson anchor sports center this morning before coming in here to do the shows uh they showed odell beckham jr crying in in happy tears and he said and they're probably crying in st louis as well uh that is that is accurate and perhaps you know for some people they don't care and good i'm glad like i said earlier on the show uh tma i i, I envy those of you who don't care i wish i didn't care I didn't think I would care. Then I did care, and it really um, bothered me. So I'm probably around that eight level that you are as well. With regards to the call on Wilson, um, it that one, it, taking my emotions out of it, it bothers me even if I had no stake in the game. Just like Jalen Ramsey and T. Higgins, that yeah. should have been called. But here's where I am on that. The fact that the T. Higgins penalty was not called on what was something that was egregious, speaks to the manner with which the game was officiated. In other words, they were proverbial letting them play. They were letting them play. And so at that time, if I'm not mistaken, you'd only had three penalties called all game. And now we're within two minutes on third, and they're at the seven. This is a huge play. Otherwise, if that flag isn't thrown, all or nothing on the next play. Oh, yeah. But because then there were a few plays in between it and then the Bengals got the ball back, I feel like it's kind of flying under the radar. Now it's being addressed. It's just I feel like it should get more attention. And I would say this if it were the shoe on the other foot. I So help me, I would. It's just the way that I operate. And if you continue to listen to this long enough, I'll probably drive you up the wall. But I think you'll always know that I'm telling you what I really think. And the Bengals were banged there. They were, just like the Rams were on the Higgins touchdown. But this was not consistent with the way they were calling the game. They weren't calling penalties. And on top of that, I'm not even sure that was a penalty. So for that call to be made, as you said, a good defensive play on an MVP, for that to be called at that moment is brutal. Now, I know one of the narratives in St. Louis is it's rigged. It's rigged. It just shows it's rigged. Well, Kroenke brought the team and built the stadium, and so they're going to take care of them. I don't subscribe to that because the very next play – I believe was a makeup call. I believe they were in the process of a makeup call. And that was the was it Whitworth, Whitworth hold? Am I right on that? Yeah. Yep. So it's a Whitworth hold. Now it may have been a hold, but there hadn't been a holding call all game long. Right. It was consistently not called. Correct. And so you're telling me there wasn't a hold up until that moment. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's like, okay, we might have blown that, so let's make it up. The issue was then you have the helmet to helmet on cup right. and you can't not call that. Right. And so it negates the hold, which would have sent the Rams backwards. And yep. they would have replayed the down, but it would have been first and goal at whatever yard line that would have been. So they were attempting to make it up. So if it's rigged, well they rigged it in a really weird way. Right. 
So that really, really irritates me. And I had, and I, it, um, uh, as far as money or anything like that, I had nothing tied to it. It didn't matter. I, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I, there was no wager in. I, I didn't even bet the Sony Michelle thing that I truly did love and didn't even get a sweat on. Right. And I did think for daily fantasy purposes, Daryl Henderson was an intriguing play out there at a low cost. Because I was thinking the only reason they would activate him is if they planned on using him, and they did. Wheel but route all day. Wheel route all day. You're exactly right, especially when Ode- Odell Beckham was hurt. And then finally. So I don't go 40 minutes on this. <laughs> Once the Bengals got that chase pass and then run after Ramsey bit, at that moment, you're thinking, okay, at the very worst, they're tying this game. Yep. Then they pick up nine yards on the next play. So it's second and one at the Rams 49. They play, they they run a pass pattern. And I get it. Second one, you're thinking you're going to get it. You want to take advantage of it. But there's nothing there. Okay, fine. Now, the thing that we got to point out about this is after that asterisk touchdown of Burrow to Higgins, Joe Burrow dropped back 21 times, and he was sacked six times. 28.6% of the time he was sacked going forward. The offensive line was getting eaten alive, whether it be by Donald or they started rushing Von Miller inside to take advantage of the right oh, yeah. guard, who's just dreadful. And so you're taking a little risk there. It's second and one. Surprisingly, I'm stunned that the Bengals were able to run the ball better than the, the Rams were stunned. That was my reason for the Michelle play, actually. Right. thought the Rams would get ahead, and Akers is a liability carrying the football with turnovers, and they would get the ball in Michelle's hands. That was my thought process. I was wrong. I hope I didn't cost a lot of you money. It was terrible. It'll go in the predictionary. But then on third and one to run right at Aaron Donald— I just, I'm like, I just can't believe they went down that road with the second one pass and then the third and one run that they chose to run with P. Ryan, as you made reference to, yeah. and then fourth and one, they just got eaten alive. And I'm thinking, you pick up five yards, and even if you throw a bunch of incompletions, you've got a shot that McPherson, McPherson can hit that. Now, it's not likely because it's a 60-yard field goal, but you pick up 10 yards, now you're at the point that it is likely yep. that he's going to hit it, much less 15 yards. Mm-hmm. And so for them to go that route with timeouts, I feel like you have two huge things in this game that I'm not saying that they're swept under the rug. I just think people analyzing the game aren't spending enough time on what was a dreadful call on the Logan Wilson hold, a dreadful call, and then the mismanagement of the play calling there at the end. Yeah, That yeah. was really a miss. The whole key was the Jamar Chase pass play. And once they got that, it's like, oh, my God. I yeah. would have loved to have seen the live odds at that moment. Right. That's where I would have – if I would have been on it, I would have bet the Bengals at that moment once they got there. Because from my standpoint, at the very least, it's going to overtime coin flip, literally, which would have been quite fitting. And But I know I'm getting – I'm probably in plus 150 or something like that. So, therefore, from a game theory standpoint, it would dictate that I place money on it because I'm getting odds even though it's 50-50. But they miscalled their plays, especially once they got to second one. So, from that standpoint, that – even if I were not involved wanting to see the Bengals win – that bothered me. The Wilson call bothered me, but the Higgins miss call bothered me. All right, so there it is. I've, I've, I've spit it all out there. I'm a banny little rooster about the whole thing. Um, what do the people have to say? Uh, where is it? OBJ said they're crying in St. Louis. Please share the link. No, that's not what it was. John Anderson, who went to the University of Missouri Journalism School, uh, unlike me, graduated. He said that uh, they saw OJ, o- Odell Beckham Jr. crying on the sidelines, and he said, 
Odell Beckham Jr. crying uh, in celebration of the Super Bowl. They're probably crying in St. Louis as well. So it was John Anderson of ESPN who said it. Odell Beckham Jr. did not say that, to be clear. Uh, Guys, I love Al Michaels, but I thought the broadcast was awful. Collinsworth was talking the whole second half about the Rams' lack of weapons. They still had the best wide receiver in the league this year, WTF. I agree with that part, actually. When he said that, I only remember him saying it one time. But it did alter things. They went to more man coverage, no question about it. They started using Henderson quite a bit more in those wheel routes that you talked about. But they did still have Cooper Cup. I mean, to say that they were out of weapons is is an odd line. I mean, so what, Odell Beckham Jr. is out and and you're out? I mean, I realize Higby wasn't starting. Um, Let's see what we got. I'll never understand why a team fights on the one-yard line when the score is inevitable and they need the time. That's from Cottleville Chris. Now, I'm going to have to disagree with Cottleville Chris. I know this would be results-oriented, but you saw what the Bengals did against the Chiefs, and that would be a perfect example of of the reasoning. I don't think you can see the touchdown when you're going to automatically give it up. And surprisingly, uh, it was an out pattern that would not necessarily be the way Cooper Cup is usually running routes. He's usually cutting across the middle. Yeah. That was an that was an Odell Beckham Jr. route, but Absolutely. they gave it to, to Cup. Uh, my dad texted me this. So many good guys on the Rams. I just can't watch Kroenke accept the trophy. I wish I was there to run up on the stage and... Uh, well, then it gets violent. So we're just going to bail on the text. But the gentleman wasn't a fan of the situation. As a stubborn St. Louis who still loves the Rams, I find myself in the most mysterious emotional state to watch Stan Kroenke accept the trophy. The happiness isn't what I thought it would be. That's interesting. Now, there's a rare person who, and it, whatever, to each their own, is still a Rams fan, even though the way things went down, and yet is emotionally conflicted. That's interesting. I would think that that is rare because in order to be a Rams fan, you've already accepted it. But, hey, you know, tip of the cap for the honesty there. Uh, Let's see. Uh, The part that bothered me is the fact that they were essentially letting them play and then all of a sudden we're going to get flags left and right uh, in the last two minutes. That's from the 618. And that is my point. That's my point. It's like, okay, you missed a call that was blatant on T. Higgins and Jalen Ramsey that led to a touchdown. Okay, you're letting them play. Fine. Well, now you have one that that is at best a borderline penalty. We played audio. Do we have that on here? And it's two minutes, so it wouldn't play well here. But Mike Pereira of Fox talking about it, he said it was not a penalty. But then also to call it in that spot. He said, first off, it just wasn't a penalty. But then secondly, uh, to call it in that spot. But he also pointed out that they did miss a call on Higgins, but that's the point. They were letting him play, and now you're going to call that. Fourth and goal at the seven is a just a different world. You know they're not running it. They couldn't run it even if it was first and goal at the two. So to to have that situation, listen, I'm not saying they couldn't have gotten it done, but what a world changer it was. I wonder what the reaction in Cincinnati is on it. Zach Taylor didn't say a whole lot about it. He said he's fine with the game, the way the game was officiated. I tip my cap to him for saying that. I wonder how much he's bothered by it. But from my standpoint, that was brutal. And so help me, as much as I wanted to see the Rams lose, if the shoe would have been on the other foot, I would go, man, that kind of sucks. You know, that kind of stuff. You don't want to win a championship on a tainted call. Ask Royals fans from 1985. You know, it sticks with you. It makes you now out there, you know, I think that's just drive by and let's celebrate and whatever. The team won. Great. We're not from here anyway. But with regards to the way it played out, that was really unfortunate. I thought the Bengals play calling when they are all but assured of a field goal. They just really botched that one. All right. I got a break. It's 1021. Uh, You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome back. 
101 ESPN, Tim McKernan with you here. You're welcome to get involved on the show, interacting with the audience via the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Richard Dyche of The Athletic is going to join us coming up in about... Ten minutes on the nose, as a matter of fact. So we'll talk it over with him, his perspective on the broadcast, what is next for Al Michaels, and uh, his thoughts overall on yesterday's presentation of the Super Bowl on NBC. Jackson said at the outset of the show that uh, he feels some semblance of relief because it closes the book for him on the Rams. Now, that's an interesting way to look at it. I think there may be something to it it's essentially for me I think the end of the mental slash emotional war one that I thought I was kind of over and then here I am watching this thing and finding myself legitimately uh, upset at the end I mean again upset I make it sound like I'm you know uh, weeping that's not the case but just disappointed, didn't want to watch it, but I felt obligated like Stefan Diggs at the end of a game at Arrowhead just to take it all in. And But I but but I see what you're saying when you talk about relief. It's like, okay, it's over. It's over. He left. He crapped on the region on his way out the door in order to essentially burn the house down to say, we can't go back there. You've got to let us go, even though the committee voted 5-1 to one for the uh, Carson project. Built the stadium, took in Dean Spanos as his tenant, and then won the Super Bowl in general, has been to two, but won the Super Bowl in his building. I don't know what else, if they could have written the script, the only thing they wouldn't have done is say, oh yeah, we got to pay St. Louis $790 million. But the reality of it is, for him, that's just not that big of a deal. I mean, it counts, but it's not like he's like, oh, we're going to have to cut back. Maybe we can't be at, pay our dues at Bel Air Country Club this this month. You know, so he won. And at the same time, kind of he won before before Cooper Cup caught that ball. But now I think for St. Louisans, at least for some, and I would include myself in that category, and it's like, okay, they really won. And it sucks to admit it. And so then on top of it, I think what the natural thing to do is, because you can't and you don't want to acknowledge that that is the case, then you start going, oh, look, it's rigged, you know? And it's just, I, 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 can't, get, I can't get with that one. Now, if you think that, great. Hey, listen, Brian Flores presented some uh, intriguing allegations regarding teams tanking and things going on with nefarious intent with the league. So I totally understand the thought process of going that direction. But... The officials missed a blatant call on T. Higgins that led to a touchdown, and the very next play after the hold, uh, there was a there was a holding call against the Rams. So from that standpoint, if it really is rigged, it was a very unique way to rig it. Um, they are gonna go to cap hell after this year. Kroenke got his one win. This is all he will get for a while. No picks, et cetera. Yes, I agree with that. I mean, most likely. Uh, I don't think people are looking around the Rams and going, this is the beginning of a dynasty. This was all, that's the other thing. Everything was built toward February of 2022. Everything. And it was all or nothing. Hence the gif after they traded for Von Miller of Teddy KGB tossing his chips into the middle about being all in from rounders. They were all in. If it didn't work this year, it probably wasn't going to work next year. Probably. Not for sure, but probably. And now you have it working. And if you look around as far as Super Bowl contenders go, I think you go, well, you got the Chiefs, you got the Bills, 
You got the Bengals. You might have the Titans. Got a quarterback situation there. And you have, if the if he's healthy, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. It's all in the AFC. That's quite the uh, labyrinth to navigate to get back there. But in the NFC, well, I don't know what's going to go out there in Rodgers. I don't know what's going to go on with the Rams. I don't know who's going to be quarterback in the 49ers. I don't think it's Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's probably a good thing for the 49ers. Right, right. And Tom knows, Brady's gone. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is uh, going shade on Instagram like we're 14-year-olds. <laughs> I have zero respect for that song and dance. Yeah. I just, I have, but I mean, I, hey, listen, I know that's the way the game's played, but you know, it's really hey, weird. you got a problem, pick up the phone or right. schedule a meeting. Right. Talk I'm going to follow you on Instagram. My goodness. If my four-year-old said, which him having an Instagram account would be a separate discussion, <laughs> but let's say he pulled that, I'd be like, okay, what are you doing? Right. More, that's a little immature and you're four. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. It's it, the NFC is completely up in the air. Oh yeah. Especially the NFC South. Who knows what's going to I mean, what, what are you, you going to do with that division? Who's the leader in the clubhouse now? No. no. Well, still the Buccaneers, but who knows? The only way to watch that football game last night was to bet the Rams' money line, so that way you win some money if the worst happens and you're happy as hell if they lose. But uh, I've already moved on. Let's go Blues. Yeah, you're right. That was a weird thing. That's now, for our Pick 6 podcast, I took the Rams because that's who I thought was going to win as much as I hated it. I, yeah. But I have a responsibility to tell the audience what I think, and that's what I thought. But I had to lay four points, so I didn't cover. And yeah. I took the under. I, um, I was on both of those. I was on... Uh, the Rams and the under? Yeah, and I got I got the Gatorade color right. Blue. Blue. I picked blue. What did that pay? Uh, I bet like four bucks and one fifteen. So wow. Yeah, yeah, it's very, you know, all yeah. of a sudden, Jackson becomes Dinner very unrelatable to the audience when you're throwing that kind of Dinner money on me. Uh, Murray has proven multiple times that he is a self-centered child. Thank you for validating me, Tim. That's from the 314. I believe that was the report Chris Mortensen shared earlier today. Which also, that, by the way, that struck me as odd. That's correct. Sources say he's self-centered. And, and I'm like, so somebody inside Sour the grapes. building yeah, exactly. is going to I thought Mortensen? I, that's a dirty pool and obviously not putting their name on it. I mean, that's right. that's dirty pool. I what what was, an operation that situation is right. now. And Cliff Kingsbury's running the whole operation. Yeah. <laughs> Known for his disciplinary tact. Uh, congrats to Jackson. Feeling relief. Not a surprise he is good with the Rams going forward. I still despise the steamer and wish the SOB failure now and into the future. Let's go Blues. That's from the 336. Where's the 336, Jackson? You know off know. the top of your head? I don't like Stan Kroenke at all. I'm just like... No, I get what I get what I get what you're saying. Right. It's just like I don't have to like I rooted against I did not watch the Super Bowl they played in against the Patriots because I can't watch that. I can't watch them possibly win. When I heard they lost they lost, I was So you ecstatic. didn't watch the Super Bowl at all that year. I didn't nope. know that. Nope. Nope. All my so friends. So what was the difference this year? Feeling like you need to be able to watch it to talk I, about it on the air. Exactly. All right, I get that. Uh, and and I wanted to, I like watching the Bengals and you know, and the Rams this time around are a little easier for me to swallow from like a gameplay standpoint. I never liked Jared Goff. I never liked watching him. He was boring to me. Uh, let's not forget St. Louis fans still have to deal with a killer avalanche team this year. Stan's not done chasing championships and beating us in the process. That is from the 314. Yeah, that is, uh, that's a live situation in Denver. All right. Uh, Al Michaels, uh, is going to be calling football games per Richard Dice, no matter what next year, but he may not be calling them for NBC. So that might've been the end of the road for him last night. We'll get Richard Dice's perspective on the broadcast and on Al Michaels coming up. Uh, Richard Dice of the athletic next here on balloon party, one one ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs tire and auto centers on one Oh one ESPN. 
Welcome back to McKernan with you here on 101 ESPN. It is our pleasure to welcome to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, one of my favorite guests to talk it over with, sports media critic from TheAthletic.com. Richard Deitch with us here this morning. Richard, good morning. Good morning. By the way, you know, I always say this. There's nothing worse than being called a critic. Now, you're welcome to call me that, but, like, literally it's like, I hear that word and I think it's like somebody's walking to, like, restaurants in New York or, like, Broadway theater productions has a, like a cashmere sweater on and is like gotcha. offering commentary. You're not wearing cashmere. So, no, no. So I like to think of myself as a writer who covers sports media, but there's no doubt that I do offer opinions. So I can't, uh, I can't crank on anybody who calls, uh, who calls me that, but good to be with you. Great way. to be with you, Richard. Are, are observing, not critiquing, but observing there you go. <laughs> last night's broadcast. What did you think? I thought it was good. I mean, you know, I wrote a piece. This is the, uh-huh. I guess maybe it's sort of the, t- the time we live in. Um, I wrote a piece, you know, today essentially sort of saying that, like, Al Michaels at 77 really has not dropped. Like, his level is the same. But you're always going to find people who, like, you know, here's what Al missed, Al's this, Al's that. So, overall, uh, I thought it was a good broadcast. I, I happen to be a big fan of of NBC's production. I just think their production level on a week-by-week basis is is really, really high. Um, I think they direct games well. They produce games well. They they net, they document the game in full. They don't miss replays, generally speaking. Um, I think Al Michaels is. I don't think it's a controversial opinion. I think he's the best NFL broadcaster, play by play, of all time. I get some people will like Collinsworth, some people won't. I find him okay. And so I thought it was. I thought it was a good broadcast. You know, they um, they were given a good game, um, a little bit of an odd ending, just because once that Aaron Donald play happened, the game was over. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I I thought you know. If I'm, if you're going to grade them, I think they, um, I, not even, not just passing marks. I thought they did really, really well. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good broadcast. Yeah, I thought it was rock solid uh, as well. And I don't even know what particular elements you could really spend a lot of time delving into. Collinsworth saying the Rams were out of weapons was a little odd since Cooper Cups an MVP yeah. receiver. Referee, you know, but, re- but, referee, ref, ref, I find as someone who writes about this stuff. Fans, and I understand it, they'll always have an opinion on the broadcasters when it comes to the officials that they were either not hard enough or missed something or, you know, the sort of the crazy ones will say, well, they're rooting against my team. So it's hard. Right. It's hard to please everybody. I, th- I, th- I think Collinsworth, Richard, was in a weird spot because there's no secret in his case. And it's different than I think with like Aikman and the Cowboys because the Bengals have never won. And here they are. They're on the precipice and they do get a controversial call with the hold call uh, on Logan Wilson with Cooper Cup. And it was a certainly a questionable call. And I thought the way he handled it was that that's what the officials saw. So he didn't go in on it. I thought he handled that, which was a, a key moment in that football game. I thought he handled it as well as he would, considering he was in a unique spot that he did have deep down and probably everybody knew an allegiance to one side. Yeah. Listen, I think like if we can be adults here, there's no doubt that like, if you were part of an organization for a long time, if you make your home in the city, you still have connections to a team, you want them to do well. But I can tell you that at the national level, they understand that there's always going to be a thought process that if you are a player for a former team, you're in the tank for that team. So whether it's producers or executives, they really pound on their broadcasters to be as neutral as possible, even optically neutral, so that nobody can have um, issues with them. And I'm with you. I think, listen, like there's no doubt in my mind 
Like if you put him on truth serum, I, I'm no doubt Chris Collinsworth would like to have seen the Bengals one last night. He's a part of that franchise. He's a part of the history. He knows the owners, et cetera. But I thought in that situation, um, and maybe in his subconscious, he's, you know, he realizes that if he sort of goes too over the top on the call, he's going to be accused of this. You know, he, he, he opted for less than more, which is always the case. You know, the thing, and NBC didn't use this person last night, but one of the reasons they brought in rules analysts like Mike Pereira, mm-hmm. uh, Gene Steratore at CBS, obviously Terry McCauley and NBC, is to take this stuff out of their broadcasters' hands because the, the broadcasters can get themselves in a tricky place when it comes to interpreting rules. That's, that's why the rules analysts exist, is so that you can basically throw it to the former NFL referee and that person can offer you some kind of context on what you just saw. Nice play. Yeah, and referencing going over the top with the Bengals plan, Joe Buck, I can recall, saying he regrets the way he called the final out of the Cardinals winning the World Series in 2006 because he feared nationally. Yeah, it was the inverse. He feared people would criticize him for being a St. Louis homer. Correct. Yeah, he he actually, I remember talking about that, and I'm sure you you have too, he he really low-keyed it, Mm -hmm. which, you know, and I think he, I understand why he regrets that because, like, it's not just Cardinals fans. Like, you as a national fan, like, you want the game-ending call of any championship to be memorable or at least sort of to remember that. And the last thing you'd want is, you know, for it to sound like, you know, game number 132 or something like that of the regular season. So, um, But this stuff gets in broadcasters' heads. Sure. You know, broadcasters are human like everybody else, and they know this stuff is out there. In the same way, you know, Michaels and Collinsworth and Tafoya, they all know that this, they're – this broadcast will not be the same next year. Tafoya's already announced that she's gone. Uh, Michaels is almost assuredly going to be an Amazon. And so Collinsworth will be the one remaining person in the booth next year. So that, you know, they all know the subtext that's going on behind the scenes with all this stuff. And that has to factor into your broadcast as, as well. So there's a lot of interesting things going on last night with NBC that, that had nothing to do with the game on the field. Richard Dyche of The Athletic uh, with us here. He is a sports media columnist who observes things about sports media, but he is not necessarily a critic. How about that reset? Some could say it was too wordy, wow. but I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's Radio Hall of Fame stuff. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll clip that off. Uh, hey, I'm curious what you think will wind up happening. Who will get these spots as NBC changes over, most likely, uh, its broadcast? We already know that Michelle Tafoya is gone. As you said, Al Michaels likely going to Amazon. What do you th- How do you think what we're going to see at Amazon, what we're going to see at NBC, and then if that could be Aikman going Amazon, what we would see at Fox? Yeah, Eminem and Mary J. Blige next year on NBC. Nice. Um, <laughs> Uh, I would say that if let's we'll take Amazon I, again. I would be stunned if it's not Al Michaels at this point. So it'll be Al Michaels. I would say Aikman is probably fifty-fifty in that slot. But um, you know, you could have a uh, a surprise candidate, somebody who maybe uh, walks away from the game that you don't expect. Um, you know, I, if you would have asked me early in the year, I would have thought Drew Brees had a legit shot at that but I'm not sure about that anymore. Again, it could be someone, you know, Amazon does have a group of people um, as part of their, uh, we'll just sort of call it their mega cast options this year that they used, including um, Aqib Tlaib. Uh, would they do Michaels and Aqib Tlaib? That'd be pretty ballsy. I don't know if they yeah. would do that. I, I, actually, I think it'd be interesting, but I'm not sure they would, they're probably going to be go more a little conventional. Um, so, so I would say Michaels and Aikman, if you were in Vegas, that is your favorite, but by no means is it a lock. I do think Michaels is a lock. And, again, the NBC one's more sort of easy to do. I, I think 
unless something dramatic changes, I think that booth is Tariq Collinsworth and Catherine Tapp. Right. Yeah, that one's obvious. And then what would happen at Fox if Aikman does go? I, now, again, this is me really being pure speculation. I actually think there's a good chance Troy could do both. Oh, um, wow. He's talking – yeah, so he's done – remember, he's done Thursday, Sunday for Fox. And I'm not sure – I'm not sure if, you know, it's the most ideal schedule for him. It is not. But I think there's probably a way for Fox and, and Amazon to make it work where maybe Troy's Fox schedule is a little lessened if he's doing the full Amazon season. And then keep in mind, if you're Aikman, and this really could happen – you know, you could do the inaugural season where there's going to be a lot of bells and whistles and there's going to be a lot of attention, and then just go back to Fox for year two. And then somebody else comes in as the color analyst. You know, you remember, it's a long time ago now, but, you know, Thursday Night Football, um, when the NFL Network got it, you mm-hmm. know, they had a lot of bells and whistles for that year. Um, there's a lot of publicity for it. And then in the years after that, you know, we saw different broadcasters float in and out of that broadcast. So I would not be surprised if, you know, maybe Aikman just decides, okay, I'm going to load it up for one year. I'm going to stick with my Fox uh, contract in some form. I'm going to take all this money from Amazon to do one year with Al. And then he goes back to Fox and continues with that job, which is honestly a much better job than the Amazon job. And then Amazon has to figure out who it wants uh, in terms of a little longer-term play. It's an intriguing play. Final question for you. Uh, now that the season is in the books, whose stock increased the most? Take your pick of whatever network over the course of the NFL season from where they were at the start of the year to where they are uh, the morning after the Super Bowl. Well, that's a good one. I, Greg Olson. For I was, sure. was going to think you were going to go Greg Olson, but I didn't want to put that in your mouth. I didn't know if you were thinking somebody no, else. For sure, because, I mean, again, I think if Aikman leaves, I actually think they'd put him into the number one slot. I I, I mean, they may look around to see if there's a bigger name, but I don't think Fox would have any issues putting Greg Olson on that number one team. They were really, really high on um, on him. So he's the first name uh, that comes to mind. I think the Iron Eagle, Charles Davis, Evan Washburn team continues to impress their bosses. Again, they're not going to blow out Nance and Romo, but um, they're going to continue to get great games uh, that are, you know, they're almost going to be looked at a little bit as a 1A as opposed to a 2 and then I think if you want to sort of go think about cable, I think NFL Live, um, that show's gotten a lot of attention and a lot of positive buzz um, over the last uh, six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Again, we're talking about much smaller numbers, only you know, 400,000, 450,000 people um, watching that show. But that group has got a lot of chemistry. Um, it's got a lot of positive uh, attention on it. So I would think that they – you know, sort of this year race it. And then finally, and this is the obvious one, the Mannings, of course. Yeah. The Manning yeah, cast yeah. is a critical success. Uh, ESPN has extended them so that they're going to go four years um, with that group. Do I think they'll eventually be the Monday Night Football broadcast? No, I don't think, I don't even think Peyton and Eli want that. I no, I agree with you. Like, they like owning their own thing. They like um, having production control over this stuff. So that, that would be the last one. I mean, I think that could not have gone better if you're talking about um, how the audience uh, reacted to what they did. There is Richard Dyche of The Athletic. Enjoyed reading the column this morning on theathletic.com. Always enjoy the conversation as well, Richard. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. Thank you. That's Richard Dyche with us here of theathletic.com. You can read his column up this morning, reviewing the Super Bowl, not just the game itself, but all co- kinds of uh, media 
news and notes. I enjoy reading those columns, and he does great work, so it was good to have him on the uh, on the show. Uh, we will take a break, and we have So What Your Grandma Think coming up on the other side of the break, and then BK and Ferrario at the top of the hour. You are listening to Balloon Party with Tim McKernan on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Friday night, some of the youngest stars in the NBA hit the hard court. It's the NBA Rising Stars game. Tip off at 8. Your home for the NBA in St. Louis is 101 ESPN. Stop in and save with everything you need for your home right now at Menards. Update your appliances with top brands including Whirlpool, Amana, KitchenAid, Maytag, and Criterion. Check out the largest in-stock selection to take home today at the lowest prices. Upgrade to new energy-efficient appliances and save big money on all of them. Now, during Menards' race to saving sale. Prices are good through February 19th. Hi, welcome to Frank Leader Mitsubishi in the Frank Leader Automotive Outlet in Bridgeton. Um, we don't have a lot of time, but we heard you're paying thousands more for trades. You could get thousands more than you'd ever expect. Just give us 15 minutes and we'll give you a quote. All vehicles are welcome? Any make, model, or condition? Yes, plus save big money on taxes when you trade instead of sell. Save time and save on taxes at Frank Leader Mitsubishi. Then we can ask for credit amnesty. At yeslita.com. Correct. If you bring home $350 a week, you can get up to $25,000 in credit. Oh, honey, did you see the all-new redesigned 2022 Outlander? Wow, third-row seating, a five-star safety rating, and a lifetime warranty, no charge. Even car washes, for life, no charge. Plus, save big money on taxes when you trade instead of sell. You could get thousands more for your trade. At Frank Lita Mitsubishi in the Frank Lita Automotive Outlet. In Bridgeton. Yes, Lita.com. Yes, L-E-T-A dot com. Lita for life. You could hire one person to handle your digital strategy. What's up? Or for the same amount of money, you can hire an entire team of experts. Mark. Sarah. Ben. Kim. Scott. Kristen. We're 2060 Digital, a national digital advertising agency based right here in St. Louis. Our digital marketers, client strategists, videographers, and more have worked on hundreds of campaigns in the healthcare, home services, automotive, and education sectors. 2060 Digital, a team of experts working for you. Google 2060 Digital to find out more. It's Michelle Smallman for Swiss Air Heating and Cooling, and they have you covered. Last year's Sweet 16 deal was so successful that Swiss Air is bringing it back. If you purchase a new 16-seer or greater system from Swiss Air, you'll receive a 16-year parts warranty, a 16-year labor warranty, up to $2,900 in rebates, a $1,000 Visa gift card, two-year maintenance agreement, a two-year money-back test drive guarantee, and more. It's Swiss Air's best deal of the year. Warm people, cool ideas, quality solutions. Visit them at SwissAirSTL. Content on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Dairy Queen. DQ fans, this Valentine's Day, get a DQ Cupid cake with a layer of red velvet cake blizzard, cake pieces, and cream cheese icing. Perfectly sized for two. Only at your DQ. 101 ESPN is your home for blues hockey. Every month during the season, you can check out either the 101 mobile app or 101ESPN.com for your chance to get entered to win a pair of tickets for an upcoming blues home game at Enterprise Center. New winners picked every month throughout the season for free tickets to see the blues in action courtesy of 101 ESPN. Get entered to win now online at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. Powered by the Bomberito 
Auto Group. This is the Balloon Party with Tim McKernan live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.